I come in? Certainly, certainly. You were literally the last person on earth I expected to see. You've given me quite a turn. Though now I think of it, there was no way of preventing the machine from returning. I haven't the key. No. And you managed to find the nerve after all. After I'd tested your machine for you. And how did you manage to track me down once you'd got here? That was brilliant. We must add detective to your list of accomplishments. Your regular Sherlock Holmes. Welcome to Paradox, the time travel podcast. I'm Nick Hurwich. I'm Phil Hornshaw. And we're the co-authors of the book, So You Created a Wormhole, The Time Traveler's Guide to Time Travel and The Space Hero's Guide to Glory. How's it going, Philbo? Pretty good, pretty good. Enjoyed me some time after time this week. Yes, indeed. Today on the podcast, we will be breaking down the uh, 1979 Nicholas Meyer film of Wrath of Khan fame um, called yeah. Time After Time, starring Malcolm McDowell and Mary Steenburgen. Very and David exciting. Warner. How do you gloss and over David, David Yeah, Warner. David Warner. <laughs> right. I, wanted to, I wanted to leave you one. You know, the weirdest thing about this movie is that I was sure Malcolm McDowell was just old forever. Um, I know, like, right? It turns out he was young once, and like he's well, almost he, not recognizable. Orange, right? Yeah. Like, well, yeah, like yes, yes. Okay. Blackwork orange, immediately old. Like yeah. that's, <laughs> that's the, like the, the trajectory of how he looks. He's always looked like he does now with the close cropped hair. Yeah, and, you know. Yeah, white hair, eyes, and shit. Yeah, but yeah. There was a time when he was like a dapper young gentleman. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So there's the before time, and then there's the time after time. Malcolm McDowell. There's the, the portion of his career that known as the villainy <laughs> after this movie. That's he's true. Just, he's yeah. just been a bad guy forever, and it's awesome. Yeah, he's, he's great at it, but he's also great at being a hero in this one. So Yeah, yeah it's very good. Uh, if you're new to Paradox, what we do on the podcast is reach our hands deep into the tangled webs of our favorite time travel movies and stories. We attempt to untie, demystify, and analyze the time travel therein. So things get complicated, confusing, and weird. But our hope is that by the end of each episode, you'll understand your favorite time travel stories on a deeper level than ever before. Um, and hopefully we don't make you hate them in the process. That's not our aim. Yep. Yeah, yes, you know, we're going to break it down. We're going to look for plot holes. We're going to make fun of it a little bit. But the whole idea is uh, not to ruin the movie, but to kind of look at it in a different, deeper way. And, you know, to like put it through its paces and talk about its own rules and stuff like that. So, yeah. Uh, so also spoilers, just real quick. We're going to spoil the shit out of all of this. So if you haven't seen Time After Time. Uh, don't listen to this right now. Watch that. Yeah, first. go track it down. It's a lot of fun. I don't think I'd seen it since I was little. And I hadn't seen it since uh, we watched it for book research for So You Created a Wormhole. Oh, I guess I did watch it then. I always forget what it's like until I fire it up again. I'm like, oh, yeah. Right, it's yeah. Really different. <laughs> it's, I mean, I said to you, this sounds kind of dumb, but what I like about it is that it's just a movie. Like, yeah. it's not it's not going so hard at one genre or another. It just feels like a good old fashioned movie. You know, it's it, really, it, it it's oscillates really about, tone and right. It's really good about feeling like an adventure story. Yeah. You know, it feels like, it feels like HG Wells for lack of a better, you know, comparison. I feel like it's, it does a pretty good job of just being like, Whoa, science. And it gets pretty dark for sure. Because, yeah. spoiler, so 
um, the plot of Time After Time, real quick, is just basically H.G. Wells realizes that his friend is Jack the Ripper. Jack the Ripper jumps in H.G. Wells' time machine and goes to 1979 San Francisco, and then H.G. Wells has to chase him through time. That's the whole thing. So Jack the Ripper is, you know, a notorious, really gross serial killer. And uh, that comes up in this film, but it doesn't bog it down, which is really interesting. You yeah, know? though it's also funny for some ways that will absolutely talk about. it's super funny. Yeah, it's <laughs> um, I mean, and as insofar as gruesome uh, murder of you know young women and prostitutes can yeah. be, but it's um, weirdly for sure. And, but it also has gravity. It's not yeah. like comedic, but it's strange. Definitely in the terms of this movie, it's weird how well it works and how how much it doesn't. You don't you don't really stop all that hard on these gruesome murders. It's pretty interesting. Yeah. Well, so, uh, you should definitely go and see it. It's on everything, Amazon. everything but Netflix. Basically, you can yeah, go and find much. it. It's like a two dollar digital rental. It's definitely worth checking out. Um, it's also interesting because you know Mary Steenburgen is is uh, amazing in Back to the Future Three, and like being in two time travel adventure movies kind of makes her the queen of time travel films. Yeah. Um, Sure. Yeah. It kind of has to just by default. I feel like I need to do research to say that two is not the limit. Well, yeah. Like, I don't know. I'm going to look it in. I'm going to look into it. I'm going to check it out. (laughs) Um, I guess Leah Thompson, you could say, though. Well, yeah, but that's, I don't know. Back to the Future pretty much just counts as one. Yeah. I feel like. Yeah. Kind of true. And also Leah Thompson's barely in the third one. She has her section of the movie yeah. where she matters greatly. Yeah. You know? Um, so, I, yeah, anyway, uh, time after time, I well, as far as the Jack the Ripper stuff goes, the movie opens in London, 1893, I believe. Yeah. White and Chapel. the opening scene is genuinely upsetting. It's yeah. It's super stylish. And it kind of puts you in the POV of Jack the Ripper yeah, where you're like first stalking person. this drunk woman who's walking yep. home from the bar. Um, uh, the effect being you don't see Jack the Ripper, but it's just it's played so stylishly and takes so long that I was like, man, this is a this is really gruesome. Mm-hmm. Um, the rest of the movie never really gets back there, uh, thanks to the efforts of Malcolm McDowell's H.G. Wells. Um, well, it kind of goes kind of yeah. kind of fumbles it but um yeah it's it's when we say gruesome it's like tonally gruesome it's not like you see a bunch of nasty murder on the screen it's you get it's just, like yeah. a little spray of red paint pretty much a little bit of blood on an adjacent object to imply to you that somebody just got torn apart but if you know the story of Jack the Ripper and like how bad it is what he did to people then you kind of have a sense of how gross it can, how gross it's implied to be without actually being. Yeah. I I don't mean gruesome and like, Oh, you see a bunch of stuff. It's just how it's shot. And in that long opening take of making the audience stalk this woman the same way that Jack is. And, and you, you know, what's going to happen. And a scene takes five minutes and yeah. Anyway, it's uh, brutal. Yeah. Uh, but then we meet uh, lively, fun, happy H.G. Wells hosting some of his um, uh, London uh, rich, yeah, society, smart, famous society dude. bros. Yeah, uh, <laughs> socialites. Uh, and they're just like talking about philosophy. And you find out that basically that 
H.G. Wells is a he's an optimist and he's a socialist and he thinks that mankind is destined for gender equality and um, income equality and and utopia basically. Right. Um, I'm pretty sure I haven't read the book in a while and I meant to look it up and I forgot to, but I'm pretty sure that opening or that first H.G. Wells scene pretty accurately mirrors the opening scene of uh, the Time Machine, his novel. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I mean that's definitely what they're channeling, and I'm pretty sure it's fairly accurate until um, it gets you know more involved in character. Right. But it's basically he's he's got his buddies over to tell them about the time machine he built, and that and he's like, I'm gonna go on a trip, everyone. Yeah. And then it it's gets kind of the late. Bilbo Baggins, like it's time yeah. for me to go. Yep. Um, though he he admits that he hasn't worked up the nerve to get in it, but he yeah. <laughs> after after his friend Doctor Stevenson shows up, he walks everyone in the basement and shows them the time machine, where he proceeds to explain how it works. Um, I'm not sure he knows why it works because he I'm hasn't sure tested he it yet. Uh, but he <laughs> he explains to them how it should work. Uh, he also, says everything that, he says about it is wrong, as it turns out. Well, yeah. <laughs> Not the least of which is that he explains that it's solar powered, but it's sitting in a basement. <laughs> oh, yeah, I forgot about that. And then it spends the rest of the movie sitting inside of a museum <laughs> exhibit in San Francisco. Uh, yeah, with no windows. So I don't know how that thing is operating. I it must be a, about that. a very sensitive solar power or a solar panel in the upper corner there. Um, but he says that you can travel forward or back. You can you travel at a rate of two years per minute. So you do have to experience some time passage in order yeah. to get where you're going. Um, is it per minute? I thought it was per second. Maybe it was per second. You might be right. Yeah. Um, yeah, that makes more sense. I was say, that would be a long time to be sitting in that machine. Yeah. <laughs> it's hot in here. Yeah, there's no air, there's no air conditioning. Um, and uh, he says a lot of stuff that may or may not come back again. He says that if the the operator is injured, they're returned to the site of the time machine. But I'm pretty sure that never happens. Um, <laughs> and then he shows this little device with a crystal on the end that's on the outside, kind of where the gas tank would be, called the vaporizing equalizer, without which the passenger inside the machine would travel without the machine, and they would be stuck wherever they're going forever, uh, which can only mean one thing, Phil plot device for later yeah no absolutely (laughs) no but like doesn't the vaporizing don't you just get like disseminated into infinite time isn't that the way it's implied to work yeah he doesn't say that here though but he he does say it later yeah yeah (laughs) yeah he's just like you travel without it and i actually i just rewatched that scene before we started recording because um it's like the first time through i thought he meant that oh you can actually travel through time with just this crystal uh but then you don't have any way to get back because you don't have the machine yeah or any but it's actually the reverse like you have to be in the machine but if the crystal isn't in it then you don't have the controls and the machine doesn't go with you um it's very confusing i don't know it's because it doesn't make a whole lot of sense there's also one other plot device um a long red metallic key that it's basically a fail-safe device so that when you travel when you put when the key is inserted, the machine will automatically jump back to its point of origin. Basically, the idea being that like it does Wells doesn't really say like what the time limit is on that thing or how often it how how long it works or whatever. But the point is that 
you'll be taken home no matter no matter what as long as the key is in the thing that way right. it doesn't get you don't get stranded or the machine doesn't get stranded um wherever it ends up um but if you take the key out then the the machine holds indefinitely in the time that it's in right so basically the idea is you take the key with you if you want to like get out and go do stuff right then it won't yeah no one can hop in and yeah. take it from you no you they can still yeah, I don't really understand. They? I don't know. Well, okay, so <laughs> so let's talk about what happens. Basically, because, yeah. Scotland Yard shows up uh, because Jack the Ripper has, Ripper has struck again, as we just saw. They're just going house to house at this point, I guess. Yeah, I, it even seems like they wanted to tell Wells in particular because he's like an upstanding member of society. And they're, yep. like, they're like, lock your doors and leave, you know. We yeah. want to search the place so that your housekeeper will sleep better. Oh, um, yeah. So and it's like, yep. Wipe meanwhile, it. we know it's Dr. Stevenson. <laughs> and he was just in the next room, but he's the only one who doesn't come to the foyer to meet Scotland Yard. Right. And then the constable and his men proceed to search the entire home and really manage poorly. to not find him. Yeah. <laughs> really, it's like, it's just the worst search you've ever seen. Right. Uh, but they, they do discover his murder bag. Yeah, his magic murder fresh, bag. With fresh blood all over it. Yeah, exactly. So they know it's Stevenson. Everybody's like, oh shit, Stevenson's the Ripper. Wow. And then Wells realizes that bro must have grabbed the time machine to abscond from yeah. the authorities. The constable never even asks that, or, and HG never offers that he has a basement. Like it doesn't yeah. occur to him until Nobody, after. They, they check and make sure all the windows are locked. Right. But they never think to see if there's a basement. Yeah. So anyway. It's yeah, totally- so so Jack has taken the time machine, um, and HG is uh, somewhat beside himself. But the machine returns, and yeah, so- because Wells, in demonstrating the key, had taken it out, and had it in his pocket. So I see, I see. Exactly. So that's how it works. If you, right. it's not, it's not about the key being inserted in the machine. It's that if the machine travels and you have the key, the machine come comes back to where the key is. Is that what it is? It must be, right? Because why else would the machine go back? I thought it was just like, maybe the machine, oh no, maybe the key has to be in it. Yeah, later, later he sticks. But the way it's, the way they make it sound is the thing, the key brings the time machine back to wherever it's supposed to be. And so, like, I thought it was the point of origin. That way, like, it always it always winds up. It's always supposed to wind back up at Wells's place, in case you know. Provided he has the key, ever. but I think I think Jack or Doctor Stevenson ends up wanting it later because if he, he if he gets into the machine and travels to wherever the machine's just going to return to San Francisco where HG or to, is. yeah wherever Wells is. I right. guess I guess that makes sense. It makes as much sense as anything. Like this rule isn't really well explained well it's important especially because of what we see next which is that given that his murdering psychopath friend has traveled to the future uh hg is like okay i need to go after him and he gets in this time machine and he travels (laughs) forward and he expects he tells his friends earlier when he's explaining to them that the machine's just going to stay there in his basement it's just he's going to travel through time yeah so not t- he, time, not space is the plan. Right. So right. he expects to show up uh, in his same basement in London in whatever year. Um, 
they yeah. traveled to. 1979. Yeah. But in <laughs> fact, he winds up in uh, a museum exhibit in San Francisco about him, H.G. Yeah. Wells. Right. About his life that he hasn't lived yet. Right. Which is, it's very uh, Back to the Future too. in fact, which is interesting because like that, you know, that movie is all has Mary Steenburgen in it later in Back to the Future 3, but has that whole timeline where Marty goes and runs into Marty again. And we talked about this, but on its face, you're like, oh, well, that shouldn't be that Marty shouldn't be there. He's in the time machine. He travels forward. He vanished. Yeah. Right. So like this movie you've invented that idea. Basically, yeah. Just to restate, I mean, I, I, it's, it's. You could even say it's more extreme here. Yeah. Well, yeah. Just because there's all the evidence and like books that he hasn't written yet, and so right. what? What? Just to state that another way, what Phil is saying is that okay, if you're in London, 1893, and you travel oh, yeah. nearly a hundred years into the future, you should arrive in a future where you have been missing for the right. last. 97 years yeah it's um, like, the same as if like in 1893 instead of being in london you travel to paris and stay in paris for 90 years you're not in london during those 90 years you're in paris right the time right. machine is basically the same thing you're you're elsewhere you're out of that timeline yeah right he has so not he has not, not lived that life exactly um, he hasn't done any of those things that are on the on the various museum exhibits it's uh it's interesting yeah it's weird and it's like i guess the the implication on its face is that he's gonna go back at some point and do those things but if that's the case then everything he's doing is is uh, locked in yeah it's locked in because it means that he has to have gone back um but the movie never really addresses that no Uh, it's it's also just like a waste of time travel yeah So the other interesting thing is that he arrives in the time machine in this exhibit. Like the time machine is part of the exhibit. It's roped off. There's a little placard about the time machine that he's made. Yeah, apparently they found the time machine in his basement, you know, in some recent years, like 20 years earlier or something. Like, oh, yeah, we found this weird H.G. Wells thing. And it's a a time machine prototype that he built that apparently doesn't work. Nobody mentions that. Right. (laughs) It's like working time machine is sitting in their museum exhibit. Yeah. Yeah, they didn't like take it apart to see if it worked. Right. He appears in the exhibit set up for that machine. Right. Which is strange. Like it's not like a clear space where the machine uh, materializes, even though – there's a clear space where the machine was in his basement when Stevenson takes it. Yes. Right? The f- machine physically disappears from that location. Yeah. And this is all in the matter of minutes. It seems to be right. contradicting itself. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I mean the, the implication of that is that unbeknownst to Wells, his time machine is actually a closed-loop time machine, meaning, right. meaning you can only travel in it to wherever that machine physically is already. So, like, if... He leaves and then uh, people find it and move the machine to San Francisco. He can arrive in the machine there. It's not that the machine is actually traveling through time. Yeah. Because again, think think that through. Okay, so he travels through time. The, the time machine disappears from his basement. There is no time machine there for anyone to find and to move to an exhibit and, and build a rope around yeah. in a museum in San Francisco. It's not there because yeah. he jumped forward in time. So one of them is not true um the movie's trying to <laughs> yeah. use both of them 
Right. The movie is just basically not thinking any of this through. It's just like, what if we put this movie in San Francisco? And, right. you know, kind of like what would happen um, in Star Trek, what is it, four or five? I can't remember which one. The one where they end up in San Francisco. Um, <laughs> <laughs> freaking, uh, I can't, hang on, I'm sorry. I can't find the name of the dude. The director guy. Oh, Nicholas Meyer? Who, yeah, Nicholas Meyer, who wrote that movie. That's true. He did. He <laughs> certainly did. He did not yeah, write yeah, this movie, but... Yeah, Star Trek Four: The Voyage Home. Yeah, right. Nicholas Meyer wrote that movie. Uh, yeah. Weirdly, it takes place in San Francisco mm-hmm. at a roughly the same time, 1986. Anyway, just saying. Do you like San Francisco? That's cool. San Francisco is a cool place. Yeah. <laughs> uh, though, um, it's used for... Well, not nefarious purposes, but you know the the plotting, the story is is kind of clever. Which the basic framing of the conflict here, other than like man out of time story, is that uh, Wells is an optimist and he thinks he's in the future. Mankind's going to be in utopia, and uh, Doctor Stevenson is uh, not only a pessimist; he's just like a he's just a horrific. Yeah. Um, serial killer and he's a nihilist and he's just an animal yeah he just he, <laughs> he doesn't believe in mankind to the extent that he feels like it's okay to just murder innocent people um and you know they get to the future and in a conversation that they'll they'll have when they first meet up uh you know well basically jack says to him like I'm perfectly at home here because look at these people. They sell guns in stores. There's been all these world wars. Uh, it's the opposite of utopia. And uh, um, Wells has to grapple with the idea right. that mankind hasn't traveled on the trajectory he had hoped for. He Stevenson really gives it to modern humanity. <laughs> like he's mean. He's like these people are animals. I'm yeah. me, serial killer. I fit in perfectly. He's like, I'm an amateur here. in San Francisco. Yeah, everyone <laughs> here is a serial killer. It was crazy. Evidently. I was like, man, dude, that's rough. Yeah, so that's <laughs> what I mean. It's like, okay, I mean, I guess, I guess you have uh, uh, there are conflicting perspectives going on, but it's like, what's the movie trying to say about San Francisco? <laughs> Which uh, is a very nice, clean, sunny place in the movie. Yeah, it's not like it's not like gross San Francisco. Like you know, the, like the one we have now. If only he had traveled to 2016, <laughs> he would have been in for a trip. I wasn't implying that. I am. Say. I don't like San Francisco. It's fucking dirty. Oh man. Anyway. Anyway. Okay, but good news for Wells as he arrives in in strange, not utopia, future America, uh, is that 1890s hair and facial hair is the exact same as 1790s or pff, 1970s <laughs> hair. Yeah. Um, so, you know. Also, everybody can understand him, and his money is still worth something, albeit not very much. Right. Yeah, so. he, he goes to the bank to exchange money, and it's worth like 25 bucks. Yep. But that's how he figures out where Stevenson went. He starts right. running around to all the banks, trying to figure out, hey, was there another weird-looking dude sort of dressed like me who had Englishman. a bunch of money from 1993 and he wanted to exchange it. Have you run into anybody like that? And eventually he, he does locate uh, Mary Steenburgen who was in fact working at a bank and was in fact changing money from 1893 for some dude. So yeah. Uh, and they have like a funny little exchange because 
H.G. Uh, Wells, who believes in you know gender equality and and socialism, uh, asks for the gentleman. And, yeah, he accidentally drops a little sexism on. Yeah, her. and Mary's like, "Don't be, <laughs> don't be a chauvinist. Like I'm in charge." And he's like, "Oh, whoa!" You know, he's shocked by it, but he's also excited. He, yeah, yeah. Um, it's not all a total wash, I guess. Yeah, which uh, <laughs> apparently does not turn her off of him at all. Like no, she's she's, she's very forward. <laughs> she's super weird in this movie yeah she wants, uh, <laughs> she wants to date her, him but her really character that's yeah, yeah like yeah. The, the way she's written is weird um she's just like yeah she's very she's very interesting i don't know she has a lot to she like you said she's very forward and she's just volunteers a lot of information and is very open about weird stuff like sexuality and it's like you just met this dude at your job so right. <laughs> yeah, so she gives she gives Wells her number and like wants to go out on a date with him. She and also tells him that romance between them. Yes, as well as a time travel adventure serial killer story. Yeah, <laughs> it, it is both those things. Uh, so she tells Wells that Doctor Stevenson, or that she recommended the Hyatt Regency to Doctor Stevenson, um, which I've actually it's a hotel I've actually stayed in. Nice. Uh, I've ridden on those funky elevators that they chase each other down. Yeah. Um, yeah. At the, at the Embarcadero. <laughs> the amazing, <laughs> it's kind of funny. Um, an amazing chase scene. This is the highlight of the movie. Yeah. I this was- is where they have, so they run into each other. This is where they have their, their verbal exchange. It's funny because Wells is very much like he's still in his period clothing and he's yeah. uh, garnering strange looks. And, uh, Dr. Stevenson is already like fully acclimated. He's staying yeah. in a hotel. He has a very 70s Navy suit on. Yeah. Um, he's shaved. He's changed his whole look. Yeah. Within, right? like, I mean, he knows. He knows what's up. That dude knows how to blend in and survive. I kept wondering, like, has he been there for a while? Uh, he's, um, has he he's been there been for there only for a few like, hours? I think he's been there. I would, I would wager to say he's been there like a day or so. I think he's had. He had something of a jump on Wells. It may maybe it was just hours, but he was there long enough to get somewhat set up. You know, yeah. I don't know. It may just be that the dude like went in prepared and like recognized what he had to do. It's like okay, I'm fleeing the authorities and I'm in a new time, and probably Wells is going to come after me. Like I think he figured that much. Well, it's also like, interesting. Well, what's also so interesting could, is that. Uh, as far as the money goes, you know, Amy said, tells Wells that Dr. Stevenson had like this huge money belt. He like yeah. exchanged all this money, but he like Dr. Stevenson escaped to the future under duress. Like he just hopped in that machine and fucking went. It's not like he yeah. prepared and was like, ah, I'm, I have to take all this money. And Wells, meanwhile, he took uh, yeah, he expensive like jewelry and he took you know, a bunch of cash that he had and it turned out that none of it was worth very much and he has a hard time, you know, pawning his necklaces and his money is only worth $25. So I'm like, how much ca- how much past money was Dr. Stevenson carrying on him? Carrying around, he, yeah. He has, he's just like Mr. Moneybags in the future. Well, yeah, I don't know. I guess that's something about 1890s culture that I don't really know. I feel like if you're an old, if you're a rich dude, I'm not sure if you would carry around a lot of money or you wouldn't. But then again, he's Jack the Ripper and he needs to like give money to strippers or I mean to uh, to prostitutes so that he can murder them. 
Yeah, you right? offered like one coin to that girl. Yeah, the, I, I was like one gold coin. So I have no idea. I don't know. Yeah, I'm not sure. <laughs> anyway, neither here nor there. In the hotel room, uh, Wells tells Stevenson that he wishes to come, like he wants to take him back. And Stevenson it's, laughs Wells is him. like, be a gentleman. Submit to citizen arrest. And he's like, hmm, no. Yeah. <laughs> That's How about not? the whole conversation. Yeah. <laughs> well, and this is where he tells him that he belongs here and Wells is... Wells is the one who's wrong about humanity. Um, and Stevenson, t- luckily, housekeeping walks in before Wells gets murdered, and they have a great ass kicked. chase scene through the city. He does get his ass kicked. Um, this is the most ridiculous foot chase ever committed to film, I think. It's, um, well, I don't know about that. But what makes it crazy is that Wells and Stevenson are in this lengthy running chase from and there's no way that wells is keeping up with stevenson just based on the geography of the thing right they go through a mall they go through a food court they're they're over at one point they're on opposite street like footbridges over an overpass that's the that's hilarious and they're like juking that, and they're which like where are you going? Dude, which way are you going they're so they're so far away from each other though yeah no, that's, that's like great. a half a mile that's like <laughs> that's like a full city block between one bridge and the next bridge right it is because it's one street and one street and they see each other like across these two bridges with the highway under them and it's like how is wells keeping up with this dude like he keeps losing him yeah i would say the, the it's movie just great does... it's just stylistically cool because it doesn't make sense at all spatially yeah well and the the other thing going on there from a craft perspective is the movie like we talked about at the beginning does a good job of oscillating between a man out of time adventure movie like haha wells doesn't understand how a phone works and mm, you know right. his money isn't worth very much and like this cute how do I hell love story with a modern woman and this uh you know this proper englishman who's uh, 113 years old or whatever um and then the stakes of the murder right and and yeah. like trying to trying to chase down Stevenson, but this chase scene, it can't seem to decide if it wants to be super serious and like, I have to get him, which is kind of how it's shot and plays, but it keeps using all of these, um, almost slapstick ideas. Like Wells runs down the up escalator because he's never fucking seen an escalator before. (laughs) And, uh, they're, yeah, I don't know. They're just like chasing each other. And it ends with Dr. Stevenson getting hit by a car because he, <laughs> oh, yeah, he runs sorry. on the don't walk. Um, so apparently yeah. he's not that acclimated. Yeah. And then he gets taken to the hospital where Wells pursues him even further. Yeah. So Wells is looking for him and a nurse kind of casually tells him that that guy died 20 minutes ago. Oops. Yeah. Um, that's also a bit of a strange beat um, because it's it's obvious, given that we're only forty five minutes in the movie, that he's that Doctor Stevenson is not actually dead. Right. Um, but it kind of halts the plot in a way where Wells is like, "Well, I guess I should go on a date with that girl." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and he right. just wanders back over to the bank. <laughs> like, there's no connection between the two. And the very next scene after this death defying chase and fake fake death is. This like awkward romantic dinner uh, at the top of the I don't even I don't even know where they're having lunch, but some yeah. spinning restaurant. Yeah, it's weird. It's super weird. Yeah, so the, like we transition into this like 
second movie where it's just H.G. Wells dating Mary Steenburgen and, yeah. and trying to like deal with her, her 1970s attitude and his 1893 acumen. And uh, it's cute and weird. Yeah, she's very forward, very modern. She's divorced. She, uh, you know, she has her own job. She divorced her husband because she wanted to have a career and like didn't want to be a traditional woman. And, you know, Wells, even though he's all for these things, has never encountered a woman like this. And he's yeah, right. just very traditional despite his despite his best intentions. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, OK, so then they're walking home and they walk past a newspaper box and there's a headline there about like some prostitute being slain and it's kind of like dun 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 he's still alive it plays like okay he's still alive but it's literally later in the afternoon like after dr stevenson faked his own death yeah so it's like wait has he been there for several days so he's committed a couple murders or is it meant to be like oh you know between the hours of noon and three, he murdered someone, <laughs> and then they printed up a newspaper about it. Right, not quite sure. What's I mean, going maybe on it was the afternoon edition. I don't know. Yeah, could it's have a been. big deal, but it was maybe it was a stop the presses situation. Like we really need to get this story out right now. Yeah, she got super murdered. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. It's weird though. But then Wells is like, oh, I guess I really got to deal with this. Maybe later. Well, he doesn't. Well, <laughs> he doesn't see the newspaper, but we do. Oh, and is that what happens? Yeah, so they we, they just walk by it, and the camera like pushes in, like but na Um, end up back at Amy's place. She wants to cook him dinner. Um, and, they have their whole romance. Yeah, they have their whole romance. There's a really weird rape joke. We were like, speaking of anachronisms, I can't imagine it being playing in a 2016 movie. Right. You know, there's also about? some you know casual racism floating around, stuff like that. Yeah, it's just you know. It's a movie from another time. It's not Utopia. No. <laughs> no, it is not. Uh, so meanwhile, and this this is where the uh, Doctor Stevenson Jack the Ripper stuff is is hilarious because he doesn't he doesn't really have any aim, but he just has to keep slashing. He's got <laughs> he's got to keep ripping. He's like Sergeant Hatred from the Venture Brothers. He just like can't fucking help himself. Well, I mean, yeah, that's what serial killers are like. They just yeah. do it. They don't have any. It's not, there's not a real goal there, you know. No, it's interesting that he can't even like get his shit together even for a day. Without, <laughs> that's what I mean. Like he's just like later that night, like strolling the red light district, looking like, for looking for a hooker to gut. Yeah, and like gonna grab. Grab a burger and murder a girl and yeah, you know. just got a rip. Um, it's gross. So that's that's still going on. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so the next morning, um, Wells really wants to tell Amy the truth, but she's late for work. She goes to work, and lo and behold, Doctor Stevenson comes in to exchange more money. And she basically like swallows her tongue. She, she does a really bad job of not indicating to him that she's on to him. Yeah, <laughs> and she tries to call Wells and he puts it together immediately. Right. Yeah. Wells is like, keep him there until I get there. And she comes back and like the first thing she says is, how's your stay at the Hyatt Regency where he's no longer staying because Wells found him. And right. he's like, oh, you're the one who led me here though i wondered how he didn't know that before like didn't wells say something 
But I guess I guess Doctor Stevenson didn't know exactly how he. He's just no. He just is like, good job tracking me down. You're a real detective. Yeah. Say how. Right, which is a recurring. Yeah, because he keeps Wells keeps trying to tell the police about Jack the Ripper, but he keeps using the alias Sherlock Holmes, and it's like yeah. Every time he gets them real information that might they might act on, he closes the call with my name, Sherlock. Sherlock Holmes. Yeah, because he, he doesn't, doesn't. I think. I think Amy actually calls him that at one point. And well, I, well, I don't. He knows of Sherlock Holmes. He just doesn't. I don't think. I think. Right? Isn't that right? I For think. I think he got it because someone his. someone called him Sherlock Holmes because uh, of his attire. Like, like Amy. I, I, Amy suspects him because because Wells is talking to amy about looking after that like trying to find this guy she's like oh you're a detective i never would have pegged you for a detective you're a regular sherlock holmes right and then late i don't yeah, think he knows who sherlock holmes is i don't think I'm when was try, sherlock holmes trying written? To run down the the novels right now because i feel like i thought arthur conan doyle would have been a contemporary his but i don't really remember it's possible. And if I'm wrong about that, cut this out so I don't sound idiot, like an no, idiot. No, I'm going to leave it in. It's too bad. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> uh, I'm trying to find... Well, I'm in the wrong. So, well, but, either way, he either doesn't suspect that he's a popular, well-known character, um, or, okay, first appearing in print, 1887. Yeah. So, okay. yeah. So, just, yeah, he would have, he might have read... Sherlock Holmes novels. Yeah, surely we've heard six of or seven years. So it's a bit of a miscalculation. Um, yeah, hugely. He doesn't apparently know how famous Sherlock Holmes will become. Yeah, surely. <laughs> it's a, it's it's the opposite of Marty calling himself Clint Eastwood because right. Clint Eastwood doesn't exist yet when Marty is using that alias. Yeah, um, so or Calvin matter. Klein. Right. Exactly. <laughs> when you're using future names in the past, it doesn't matter. But if you're using past names in the future. Yeah, it's you're in trouble. <laughs> um, so in this in this sequence, it's it's kind of lampshading some third act stuff, basically. But he's trying to tell the police that uh, he knows who's killing all these women, and they're like, "Okay, sure, whatever." It doesn't help matters that he calls himself Sherlock Holmes, and he doesn't have any ID, and there's no uh, printout from, you know, FBI or Scotland Yard about a Dr. Stevenson leaving London. There's just, you know, the, the missing piece of the, the puzzle that they're actually time travelers wouldn't fly in this scenario. So they get Amy's address from Wells, uh, which comes into play later. Uh, somehow when they get home, there's another note from, no, I think first, don't they? Oh, maybe you're right. God. I, they, when, when do they, they get, travel forward? Right. So they get home. They go back to Amy's place after going to the police station. And there's a note from Dr. Stevenson for HG saying, I know right. where she lives. I know where you're staying. Like, give me the key. Yeah, or yeah, I'm going to yeah, kill yeah. her. But it's not really clear how he knows that there. Like, he just gave her address to the police. But I don't know how Dr. Stevenson also figured it out. Yeah, I don't know. Not really Maybe important, except that it motivates um, Herbert confess to Amy the truth that he's a time traveler. Uh, and the, the phrase that's kind of funny, the phrasing he uses is I'm 113 years old. Which yeah. is not actually true. You skipped like 97 years there, bro. <laughs> um, or however long it is. And, uh, 
Yeah, or eighties, eighties, seventy. Doesn't matter. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you didn't. You didn't age that much. What What struck me the most about this scene is that it's almost exactly the scene where Doc Brown confesses to Mary Steenburgen in ba- Back to the Future Three that he's a time right. traveler, and she takes it as Doc Brown is trying to break up with her, and in like the most absurd, crass way possible, and she gets all <laughs> mad, and she almost has the exact same reaction to. Herbert in this scene where she's like, you fucking crazy person, like leave me alone. <laughs> um, it's, I, it's not as good as the version of back to the future three, but it's amazing how similar they are. Right. Um, so yeah, he then, so Wells takes Amy to the museum of him, like across town <laughs> and, and she still doesn't really buy it. So they actually like hop in the time machine and go forward a day or so. Right. Yeah, like a few stick. like a few days. They're like, let's yeah. go to Saturday to show. Oh, that's right. Yeah, so it's like end of the week just to prove that it would be a different day because no one would be there, whatever. Right. And yeah, pop out of the time machine and it's still in the exhibit, find a newspaper, and it confirms that it's the future, but it also shows that Amy will be murdered a few days later. Yeah, which again Whoops. is this. this takes us back to the idea of Okay, well, how does it work if you're traveling forward through time? Right. Because if they just traveled from Wednesday to Saturday and this paper shows that she was murdered on Friday, how is that possible? Because they just skipped over Friday. She wasn't there to be murdered. Um, So I don't. Yeah, it just doesn't make sense. Yeah, it doesn't make sense. (laughs) It's just not how it should work. This is the running plot hole of this movie. Um, It doesn't really think about time travel in a rational way, just like, Oh, we, we see the future cause we're in it and here's what the future is. The future is murder. So that's all, that's all you need to know. It doesn't like think about how to make it make sense because time travel really isn't the point. It's just a plot device to kind of push forward the next phase of the script. Right. You know, and yeah, this well, movie it's... kind of like you mentioned earlier um, to me before we started recording, this movie's not really good about using time tra- or the characters aren't about using time travel to actually like affect change or do stuff. Um, you'd yeah. think that Wells would pop back to right before Stevenson arrived and just like bash him with a pipe as <laughs> right. out of the time machine, right. <laughs> you know, <laughs> or something like that. Yeah. And just like take care of it. But you never yeah, to do that. The time machine is literally sitting there in the exhibit the entire movie, and they never use it to try and solve any of the problems that are going yeah, on. Yeah, they only use it for this novelty jump of proving his story to her. Right. <laughs> so, well, as like by contrast, again, you know, in Back to the Future, Marty goes to the past. They're like, oh, why doesn't he just travel to the forward? It's like, well, he doesn't. Why to the future? Well, he's out of energy. Like he needed plutonium. He needed 1.21 gigawatts to travel back to the future, which is why it necessitated the whole plan with the clock tower and the lightning bolt. It's the whole plot of the movie. Yes. With that one issue. Getting him back. But even later in Back to the Future 2, when they're like, let's use time travel to solve this problem, they're they're stuck by the rules of the situation. Like, no, we can't, if we travel back to 2015, we'll be in the wrong 2015. We have to jump back to 1955 and go through all that. There are good reasons to take time travel out of the equation or to use it effectively in that story. Right. right? Yeah. But most of the time in back to the future, the time machine is broke and that's why they have to deal with what they have to deal with. (laughs) So, 
Yeah, precisely. Whereas here, they it's never, um, yeah, apparently never addressed at any point. You know, yeah. it would it would actually it would have made a lot more sense if um, Jack got the key from HG in their first encounter, and because Doctor Stevenson, Jack, I keep calling him Jack. Doctor Stevenson never doesn't matter. Wants to stay in San Francisco. He says it. Yeah. He belongs there. He just wants to go on murdering people. <laughs> and HD is trying to stop him, but also doesn't necessarily want to be stuck in San Francisco in 1979. I mean, it's not right. a huge concern for him, but he's not at home there, really. And so, but but it's it's the opposite of that, where Stevenson wants the key, but it's like, why? You want to stay here. Who cares? Like, you don't... Right. It doesn't matter Just if you eliminate can Wells, through time or not. Right? Yeah, so he doesn't would... want Wells chasing him through time. And I think the um, one of the operative things about Jack the Ripper in this movie is that he's actually friends with H.G. Wells, and you know he'll beat him up if he needs to, but really he just wants him to go away. Like he doesn't want to hurt his friend. It's weird, right? Yeah. Well, you never like, see him murder a dude. Also, it's like a weird. Well, that's true. For that's him. true. I mean, that's that's a big part of him as a character in general. But uh, specifically, I think that, I mean, they have, it comes down to this at the end of the movie where they have their whole exchange where it's like Stevenson doesn't really want to hurt Wells as a person. They are still our friends. It's totally weird. Yeah, seemingly. How, how they're, they all, interact. they're all chess buddies. My point yeah. was more that from a plot perspective, if Stevenson is holding the key and Wells can't go home, uh, then um, what the hell was it? Oh yeah, that's that's the reason why time travel isn't used. Like, right? Uh, you can't use it because your enemy, who you're looking for, has the device that allows it to operate. Right. right. So then it's like right. that. Oh, that's why he's not going back to stop Stevenson a week ago because he can't. Um, right. The fact that he can just get in the time machine at any point, even <laughs> even though the solar powered time machine is. Uh, in a windowless room in a museum, um, uh, it just it raises a lot of questions. Yeah. Well, and specifically, if we pop ahead in the plot a little bit because I think we can. I think we can skip over some stuff, right? There's like there's well, basically, a lot of Wells and Amy like hand wringing over whether or not she's going to get murdered, and he's trying to make a plan for it. He goes yeah. and gets a gun. I mean, I will say yeah. the, the important thing for time travel is that Wells, for the first time, kind of gets out ahead of it, and he's like, look, in this article, we know, yeah, we know, what, he, we know what happens, and there's there's another murder between you know where they the present where they came from and that Saturday newspaper. So they're like, we can we know what he's going to do, so we can stop him from doing it. Yeah. Um, which is smart. That's like, okay, it doesn't make sense that this article would even exist, but given <laughs> that it does exist, you can use it against him. Right. Although they, they then try to tip the cops off. They try to be there at the right point and they flub it. It doesn't work. Cops don't believe him because he keeps saying Sherlock Holmes. Well, and it makes it look like he's the murderer because he yeah. calls in the tip and, you know, he's using a fake name and he's an Englishman. It's like, who else would know all this about these murders right. taking place? But they the murderer himself. The guy even exists so far, right? The cops, yeah, they've never seen the cops him. cops are concerned. Right. It's like, oh, yeah, no, there's some other guy, sure. Yeah. Yeah, and of course he goes to get a, he goes to buy a gun, which is against his pacifist nature, but it's, you know, to defend himself at Amy's insistence. And then the cops pick him up and he has this gun and 
It just doesn't look good. Um, yeah. Uh, there's this weird sequence in the movie where Wells is being interrogated and the only thing he has is the truth, which is that he's a time traveler, which of course makes him seem insane. But <laughs> Amy is just sleeping all day for some reason. She's <laughs> like, yeah, she just like takes a freaking lengthy, upset. I thought you were going to say a Valium. No, well, maybe that's what it is. <laughs> she's she's definitely like having she's really anxious. One thinks, yeah. you know, and so she takes a a, a nap all day. Right. She must it must be a Valium, but that's really not good survival instincts. No, it's not good, <laughs> especially because like Wells left to go buy a gun. He's like, if right. I'm not back in an hour, run away. Go Check into this hot, secret yeah. hotel. Go to a hotel, and then she oversleeps, misses the window for escape. Yeah, like altogether. Right. It's just bad planning. Yeah. Um, so and there's a brief. Stevenson shows up. Yeah. Right. And he's looking for her. There's like a faint where you think Amy gets murdered. Um, right. And it turns out it was just her friend who she invited over <laughs> yeah. for dinner. I mean, like, there's it's blood. Like a hand everywhere. on the ground in the middle of the apartment. Yeah. Remember? Like the severed hand. Yeah. Which is yeah. just gruesome. It's a, it's, a, it's a mess of a murder scene. Which it doesn't really to the interrogation room is like, yeah, like I'm really, really, sorry. <laughs> like, really I'm very, upset. I'm very sorry. We didn't listen to you and send a unit over like hours ago when you asked us to. Right. Oh, and man. they just assume she's dead. It's, it's also, again, it's like Jack's just got a rip, you know, yeah, it's so, like, Oh, you're not Amy Steenburgen, but I mean, since you're here and I'm here, I might as well chop your arm <laughs> off. Well, in that situation, I feel like, that one almost, I don't know about like the chopping off of arms, but murdering somebody who comes <laughs> across you where you're not supposed to be. Sure. Okay, that one, that one kind of makes sense. Right. <laughs> Fair enough. The fact Fair that enough. he goes all out on her is just an indicative of the fact that he can't control himself, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. And Probably then rough. it's pretty gross. So HG's walking through the park and he runs into Amy, who's still alive, da da, but she's being held hostage by. Jack, da da, for the and, kid. Yeah, they want to make an exchange, um, and of course, and still he doesn't think maybe time travel will get me out of this situation. Still, yeah. <laughs> I thought where it was going to go for a minute. I was like, this would be dark, but I thought that Amy was going to get killed, and then HG was going to be like, no, I'll fix it. I absolutely like, thought that was what it was, this. and especially because like so, a running gag of this story. One of the one of the ideas is that Stevenson has been playing chess and being friends with H.G. Wells for so long that he knows how he thinks. He keeps anticipating his moves. Right. right? And so it makes a lot of poetic sense for H.G. Wells to be like, now I have the upper hand because I know how you think because I've seen it and I'm putting it together and I have the tools to anticipate you now. But he doesn't. Instead, he just doesn't. <laughs> yeah. He right. just literally chases him some more. HG <laughs> yeah. and Amy together can't come up with like one cogent plan. They and really the, are bad at the, it. The one time they do, they get a flat tire. And Yeah. Or what hmm. about like, okay, so um, Jack trades. He's like, I'll trade you Amy for the key. Wells with no other option because he, now he's lost the gun, right? And she's he's got a knife to her throat. Tosses right. the key. He's like, nope. Just kidding, I'm not a gentleman. And he takes both the key and Amy and jumps in Amy's car and makes Amy drive him away. Wells grabs a car of his own with no driver training and goes just chases him through San Francisco. It's great. It's a great yeah, scene. It's, yeah, but it's pretty funny. 
Amy should like put her. This dude doesn't know about seatbelts. Like put a seatbelt on and run into something and shoot him through the windshield. The right. end. <laughs> yeah, she even says as much. Like, if I go faster, I'm going to wrap us around a telephone pole. Right. It's like, yeah, you should do that for sure. <laughs> I mean, you should definitely do that. You can do it at a speed that will still injure him and not injure you, right. probably. At and least that's what I've learned from other movies. Right. Though you know? a knife, a, a sharp object is at her throat the whole time. So she it's probably doesn't want to hit so much as a speed bump. It. It's worth it. Yeah. So the showdown happens at the, the museum, at the time machine, of course. And, um, uh, it, I don't know, it, I, I, I was uncomfortable watching it because it basically comes down to Wells just begging for Amy's life. Yeah. Like, right. Like hard begging really hard. Like, and this is what I was getting at when I was talking about how Stevenson, um, doesn't really want to do Wells harm. He just wants to get away from him. You know, like they're still bros. He's like, Oh, I could kill her right now. And he, and Wells is like, don't. And Stevenson's like, yeah, you know, I don't really want to. I don't know. Like, he can't. He's fighting his nature almost a little bit. Right? Yeah. It's super interesting. And I was like, oh, we could have used a little more of this. Like, yeah. For the movie. And it just as far as the, you know, Wells as a character is concerned, I'm like, is this really the culmination of his character arc? Like, being on well, his knees begging? I don't Indeed. Well, and that's, this is what I'm saying. Like, he never gets a chance to actually use much agency. He's just kind of, like, chasing jack around and he won't give up that's that's good at least you know yeah of course he won't give up he definitely loves amy and doesn't well, but want i mean just murdered. he just he goes all he goes all out in chasing jack down but he never has a plan like he's right. always he's always losing this chess game so badly <laughs> and it's just like yeah dude change the script here a little like i, I mean like as far as wells's character he should think it he should he should be trying harder in a different way. Um, I don't I don't mean the literal script of the movie, but <laughs> um, yeah, it just comes down to Stevenson's like fine, and he jumps in the machine and he's gonna leave, and then the hell Wells pulls the uh, pulls the pulls the crystal right the, the vaporizer vaporizing equalizer, um, but like before he does that, Stevenson has this moment where they like lock eyes and Stevenson's like do it put me out of my misery and it's like what is this <laughs> it's so weird well and also I wasn't sure what was going to happen in that moment because I didn't understand how that thing worked because yeah. it had only been explained eight minutes into the movie briefly and then not mentioned again like the key is the important thing that whole time um I, I yeah. wonder if those couldn't have been one and the same like it's the thing that powers know. it or whatever but right. they weren't. And and then, yeah, Wells yanked it out. And then Stevenson inside the machine just kind of like, like melts. vaporizes, yeah, disappears, and the machine stays there. And I was like, yeah. oh, I guess I guess that's how that worked. Literally, you travel without the machine. <laughs> yeah. I just don't even, I don't know. It was weird. It was just a weird way to wrap it up. Um, I felt like it didn't really play well for either character. Stevenson had ostensibly one the movie and it's not like Wells outthought him. He just happened to have like a, a get out of jail free card basically. Right. In, in this plot device from earlier in the movie. Yeah. He tells Amy that he sent Jack to infinity, whatever that yeah. means. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I That's would, what I, I would like, it sounds like he just gets scattered like molecules. It's weird. Yeah. I don't know. Or like so far in the future that I, I'm not really sure, 
what happens there. Maybe, Maybe it ends just vaporizing. Warlocks and stuff. That would be funny. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I would add that the last B for Amy isn't great either uh, because HG and Amy say their goodbyes and Wells is like, I have to go back. And it's not really clear why he has to go back. You know, he's a man he's of like, the future. I don't belong in your crappy time. Right. Even he's, though he spent the whole movie like learning about it and getting mm-hmm. used to it. Um, but he specifically says like, I have to go live this life. And he indicates the, the oh, yeah. room around him. He's like, there's books I haven't written yet. And it's like, what? what? <laughs> so what happens if you decide not to go back? Like, does the museum implode on himself on itself? Is that yeah, it? Is that it for humanity? Um, so he has to go back, I guess. And Amy's like, well, that fucking sucks, you know? And then she decides she doesn't like that idea and hops in the machine with him, um, which is cute. And, like, we we obviously want to see them get together. But when you think about who she is as a person, like, she is a modern woman. Like, she belongs in San Francisco. Right. um, And Or at least in that time. There's nothing about her that says uh, 1890s London. Um, right. So it's like, okay, yeah, she ends know. up giving up who she is in order to like be with him. I, it, I, I don't know. It was not that satisfying. Right. Yeah, it didn't really play. And then it didn't make sense as a time travel story really either. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah. my I mean, my general assessment is for a time travel movie, it doesn't have enough time travel. It's weird. So yeah, it, uses, it utilizes time travel poorly. Yeah, and there's there's a lot of movies, time travel movies like this, where uh, through some machination or another, we start either in the future or the past. Like, I think the show Continuum is like characters in the future, and then they end up in our time. So mm-hmm. this movie is like that. It was made in the late 70s, and it's kind of just an excuse to have a man-out-of-time story, and... And also for budgetary reasons, it it puts the bulk of the movie in modern times. Yeah, Um, absolutely. Again, not to hold this up to Back to the Future over and over again, but one of the great things about Back to the Future is that it spends very little time in its own time, which is 1985, and it spends almost the whole movie being a period piece, which is a lot of fun. Um, Yeah, I mean, a lot of movies end up doing this is like what if they ended up in 2016 of all right. years because right. it's you know it's easy to do and that's fine but what back to the future has going for it is that we're we relate to marty rather than we relate to the people who are relating to the time traveler right like we get he's like whoa that's weird I'm talking about reruns and these kids don't know what he's talking about right and that's that's kind of i think why that movie works but yeah, it's a cost-saving measure usually, which fine, okay, whatever. Well, to uh, jump to jump off of that point before you move move away from it, I I had a, a similar but opposite reaction to a lot of the things Wells was going through because it's like all the things that he was struggling with we were familiar with, so it wasn't that interesting to see him struggle with it. Right. Right. Well, like, like we've done, we have movies like this that do it kind of in fun ways. Like it, here's a good one: Coneheads is kind of funny. It it draws. It draws on the absurdity of things that we take for granted, right? right? Like that's the that's the gag. It's like somebody from who doesn't understand our culture trying to interpret our culture, right? And that's what Wells should have been doing. But mostly, Wells was just like trying to figure out how to hail a cab and and trying to figure out how banks work. 
Yeah. And it wasn't like especially interesting things for him to have to do, you know. Right. And, and the time wasn't that fun. different, really. So it's for true. him, wasn't ra- it's not, yeah, wasn't wasn't like, a radical wow. departure. I mean, it, it 100 years shit was it is radical, but it's not so radical. It's still like the modern era in a way. I mean, he's still easily understood by everyone he encounters. He still gets that like a car is the modern version of a motor car that he has seen in his life. You know, it's not. Yeah. There's that moment with the nurse, for example, where he was like, Oh, the motor car and the nurse is like a motor car. It's a car. It's like, you mean, you mean a car? Yeah. Right. Yes. Actually, I meant a car. I'm British. Didn't you tell? Yeah. A lot of it is just chalked up to that. Like, you know, how weird is London? I mean, he has his moment where he's like, wow, the TV, like that one's really the only one that, is sort of mind blowing as far as the stuff that well in the run. movies when they go to the movies he's hiding behind the seat that was kind of fun, oh yeah actually. that was fun I forgot about that one so yeah but it, none of it really factors into how he goes like goes about dealing with stuff right no. I mean I said to you I enjoyed the first hour of this quite a bit like I really the opening scene is really well done I really like the setup um, and I I was impressed I was re impressed by the philosophical differences, you know, it yeah. wasn't just that, Oh, it's past people who happen to be in the present. It, they, there, there was something more to, um, for them to grapple with than right. philosophically. But the, the last hour is just, I don't know, a lot of plot missteps and not using time travel to its full potential and this uh, like not very satisfying arcs for the characters. Well, and just not knowing really how to utilize the time travel in a way that made sense for the time travel. I think is that's really the movie's biggest problem. And um, as far as the plot is concerned, you know, it would have been a little more satisfying to really like play that stuff up. And instead it's just like, well, we, how can we move things along? Well, let's, what if they jump to the future and find out that she's going to be murdered? Okay. Sounds good. You right. know, if they have yeah. all this information and it doesn't work, they don't actually get to utilize it. Well, you yeah. know, and the, I mean, the whole, the whole setup of her knowing when her own murder is going to take place to try to avoid it is blown by a nap. So, yeah, that was you know, it's just kind of, a, it's just kind of a weak first usage. draft material here. It's just a bummer. I mean, I do really, I do really like it, but the idea of H.G. Wells chasing Jack the Ripper through time really should have had more of the through time part. Yes. I thought. So anyway, it's worth checking out as an early example of a time travel movie. Um, now that, is that amazing chasing. It makes me feel like we should do the time machine uh, soon. I mean, that, that would have been that, that not the Guy Pierce one, the original. Oh shit, the one with the Morlocks. Yes. No, I guess they both have well, Morlocks. the Morlocks. They have, yeah, they don't have uh, Jeremy Irons as the Morlock King. Right. So that would have been a good. That would have been like a good double episode. We should have thought of that. Well, we could do that still. Let's do a double episode. We could still do Time Machine and other Time Machine because the the Guy Pierce one has some interesting stuff going on. Um, namely, there's here. I'm going to go ahead and spoil this. Get ready. In the Time Machine, the reason he builds that Time Machine in that movie is because he's trying to prevent the death of his wife, and it, he can't do it. We have some elasticity of time going on, and every time he's alters that event it goes down in a different way but the outcome is the same 
right? So there's some stuff to discuss, I think. Part of the reason he hops way into the future is because he's all despondent and because he can't seem to change anything. And, uh, you know, so there's different stuff at play than in the original Time Machine novel or in the, that story. Right. Right. There's so changes made. Yeah, that's that's worthy. There's um, some time machine stuff there, too, because of uh, the time, the way the time machine creates the bubble of time with which he murders Jeremy Irons. <laughs> Do you remember this? Uh, vaguely. I yeah. Mean, it's good. It's basically, you know how at the end of The Last Crusade, when Donovan drinks from the wrong cup and he melts. Right. He turns, he gets really old and dies really fast. Yeah. Basically that is what happens. Right, you're right. <laughs> Super ages him. Yep, yep. I mean, I've, I've always loved the design of the time machine. I love the design. Oh, we didn't talk about that. We're, we're super huge proponents of machine time travel, if you haven't noticed, as opposed to like, oh, mentally, is he really travel? Oh, he had a concussion, and now he's in a different time. You gotta do that um, Christopher Reeve movie with the time travel. Yeah. It's like uh, really- Superman? Oh. <laughs> oh. I can't remember the name of it. Uh, yeah. But yeah, there's the one where he's just like, I imagined really hard that I traveled through time and then I did. And right. then someone broke my concentration and I couldn't do it again. Yeah. That's the whole movie. <laughs> yeah. That's dumb. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. And Superman, he flies backwards around the planet, which reverses time. Um, yeah. He reverses the rotation. Which is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Uh, it's bad. It's real bad. No one ever talks about that when they talk about Superman, which is pretty good like, <laughs> up until then. Um, anyway. Anyway, uh, oh, the time machine. Yeah, machine but um, I love the design of the time machine in this one. It just looks cool. It looks like uh, it looks like um, uh, like twenty thousand leagues under the sea. Yeah, I was gonna say type. it's a real Jules Verne. Yeah, kinda. yeah, um, it's cool. It's too bad it doesn't get used more. The effects are super hilarious too. They just like negatize people's faces. <laughs> yeah, like, right. they negatize the That's film and they like do some prism spinning like i don't know what they did but it's like really hilarious um <laughs> look at this kaleidoscope Woo-hoo. yeah that's basically a time machine yeah um but in the time machine i think in both of them it's basically like a stationary bike um which is right? real funny there's like no protection yeah. whatsoever you're just exposed and have to pedal hard <laughs> <laughs> so anyway that is time after time which is currently being remade as a tv series uh yeah see so I imagine it's going to be like a, a continuum slash Sleepy Hollow type situation where um, Jack the River and H.G. Wells are going to end up in 2016 and it's yeah. going to be an ongoing thing with, a, you know, he's going to be the big bad and H.G. Wells is going to, I'm, I'm guessing the Amy character is going to be like a cop and yep. I, I, I'm just speculating. Exactly like Sleepy Hollow basically. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be Sleepy Hollow, only not. Um, only, here's what I'm worried about and this is what I was thinking when I was watching this movie is I really hope that that show maintains some of the tone of this movie because it could go, you could go real dark, real easy. It's like, Oh no, serial killer, Jack Ripper, Jack the Ripper is out in our time, you know, and and it could really focus on that hard, dark, scary murder aspect of it. And so much of this movie is like an interesting, fun, you know, fish out of water story with funny, stuff going on and that adventure tone. I really hope the show can kind of keep that up. We've got right. a lot of dark stuff. We don't need as much dark stuff. Sleepy Hollow is kind of like that, actually, tonally. Is it's it, like yeah, it's a mixture never... of the fun adventure, uh like weird, you know, magical stuff and oh, we're tracking down a murderer and Yeah. 
trying to. I, I mean, just think it, you can do it, right? And then I hope that they, I hope that they take that lesson from this movie because it, it's not like time after time is super super popular and everybody knows it. So it's not like you have to reinvent the wheel there, right? So much. Um, I don't know. Hopefully. Well, and I suspect time travel won't really, other than the man out of time stuff, time travel is probably not really going to play into it. I right. Um, it's just like an excuse to bring HULs into the fold in the present. Mm. So, yeah, that's our episode. Uh, right. If you have any questions, please tweet at us. I'm at HeWizard. I'm at Phil Hornshaw, all one uh, word. Also, we have a our time travel twitter account which is at time travel guide um yep. we created a facebook page for paradox uh so that's probably the best way to get in contact with us send us questions and messages go like our page um i think it's just facebook.com slash paradox pod send us questions we like them yeah uh, do it yeah and uh subscribe and rate um at also least- if there's movies you'd like for us to get after like we're just kind of haphazardly picking stuff at this point yeah um we pick time after time because it's got a new tv show coming up we were thinking about doing turtles in time pretty soon yeah that's what we're gonna uh, do next week we're gonna do yeah, teenage mutant Ninja turtles that. 3 and also the video game which barely yep. has time travel turtles in time so we're just picking stuff that's like relevant to us in our lives we did x-men because x-men was coming out we're doing turtles because turtles came out we're doing time after time because there's going to be new time after time. If there's stuff you would like to see us do that we're taking too long about getting to, just like hit us up because literally nobody has asked us anything so far. So if you were the first one and you're like, do this movie, we will definitely do the movie, you say. Yeah. <laughs> Someone asked us to do time crimes and we were like already working on time crimes. Yeah. Um, so that person was just uh, clairvoyant. And right. That worked out for them. <laughs> um but yeah, the last last week uh, on our bonus episode, which um, was a lot of fun, we'll try and do more stuff like that. Yeah, pop, pop it, chime in on the current time travel happenings. Uh, but we implored people, as I'm going to do again right now, to go give us ratings on iTunes or your podcast listening platform of choice. It helps people to find us and to spread the word. And at least one of you listened to us and did that, so that made us feel really good. <laughs> yeah, um, thanks. So thank you, whoever that was. And uh, maybe it'll be you next week. Uh, I'm (laughs) I'm Dr. Jack Stevenson. I got to go rip. Uh, I'm Herbert George Wells, and I I'm a gentleman. I don't know. I can I don't have a joke for this. You have a (laughs) bunch. You have a bunch of books you haven't written yet. I guess that's true. (laughs) So, all right. Thanks, guys. See you next week. Thanks. Bye.
second hand unwind If you're not 